Welcome back to What Do You Want to Watch, the podcast hosted by myself, Nathan English, and David Dirks. And it's the podcast where we talk about things that we watch, and this week we're going to be covering the Oscars. Uh, I know that last week we talked about March Madness, and I'll just give you a quick update on what we talked about, and we were wrong about almost everything. Um, it's things that my mother pointed out that I was incorrect on my bracket, uh, so thanks, Mom, for for saying that, that means a lot to me. But we were wrong about almost everything. But we got the Sweet 16 coming up this weekend, so you can watch that. But if you want to take a break from that, the Oscars are this Sunday. So that's what we're going to be talking about. Come on. We're going to primarily focus on Best Picture. We may have time to talk about some other races as well. But let's get into it. All right, welcome back. So we're talking about the Oscars this week. And, David, the first question that I really just want to ask you is, should we even care about the Oscars? Yeah, I, I've asked this. We kind of talked about this a little bit. But I've, also, I've asked this, too, because, like, we, we get so upset, I feel like, of, like, you know, how did Christopher Nolan specifically, like, how has some of his movies not won Oscars? Or how has this movie not won? Yeah, how has PTA never won an Oscar. We get so it, upset yeah. about that, but then we're like, why does it? Why do they have so much weight? Like, why do we get upset if they never do it correctly? Why right. do we care about it? I right. don't know. I've asked that too. And I think the answer is that there's nothing else really like this. This is like the movie Super Bowl. I know that that term is thrown around a lot, but like, even if they get it wrong, and I think it's objectively difficult to judge art the year that it comes out. Like some movies that are best picture winners or some performances that we think are great, like five years down the line, we're like, yeah, that movie hasn't held up while others have, you know? And I think that 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 happens. And yes, the Oscars get it wrong. They get it wrong a lot. Recently, they got it wrong when they picked best picture of Green Book or an example of Crash or The King's Speech beating out The Social Network or something like Driving Miss Daisy. These are movies that in the year that they won – Maybe people were iffy on it, and now, you know, I don't remember any time someone said, have you rewatched the King's Speech recently? That's really good. Like, nobody wants to do that, but The Social Network is still one of the most important films in the culture. So they're, they get it wrong, but they also get it right. You know, mm-hmm. you have Parasite, which should have won, The Godfather, Silence of the Lambs, Titanic, Return of the King. These are slam dunk movies that, like, yes, yes, Obvious. that is correct. And it's held up. Yeah. It is a part of the culture. It is important. You know, so I think the short answer is we should care, but maybe we shouldn't care too much. But mm-hmm. if I'm going to care about something, I'm going to care about it. So with that being said, uh, let's just let's just jump into it. And we're just going to talk about mainly the the best picture race, um, because quite honestly, that's the most important. That's the culmination. It's the one that normally goes on last, although they've switched the order of the ceremonies around a couple of times. But it's the one that goes on last. It's the one that has the most drama. Um, so let's just talk about it. Uh, first movie that we're going to talk about, we're just going to do these in alphabetical order and then we'll rank them. So what we're going to talk about first is Belfast. Belfast is written and directed by Kenneth Branagh. It's the semi-autobiographical story about him being a young boy in Belfast in the late 60s following tensions between Catholics and Protestants. Um, It stars Jude Hill as Buddy, the young boy in the film, Katriana Balfi as Ma, Jamie Dornan as Pa, and Judi Dench as the grandmother. Um... Dirks, I know you just re- you, both of us just recently saw this movie just this past weekend. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Belfast? I, I actually really enjoyed it. I didn't know what to expect, uh, and it, it took me a couple. It took me a little bit getting into the show. Like, what is this actually? You know, what is this even about? Mm-hmm. Um, I enjoyed it. I thought the kid. Um, I thought Jude Hill's buddy. I thought he did a pretty phenomenal job. Yeah, it was as a very a, what, good child. Ten or eleven year old. Yeah. Um, really, really well done. And then like 
kind of tossed in there uh, the grandpa, you know, and the b- grandpa and grandma are famous yeah. actors. You're like, oh, wait a second. You know? Yeah, you recognize these people. Yeah. Um, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was well done. Um, and uh, I-, I love the – I just watched The Lighthouse, and it's also in black and white. Mm-hmm. And it's just like a different take, right? You're, we're so used to the color, and, you know, mm-hmm. just about every movie has just normal – a mm-hmm. color. So to see kind of it, it different like that, it, it almost puts you in a different kind of like, I don't know, mood and d- puts you back in a time period. And, right. Uh, and I thought it did a good job of that. What did, what did you think? I know maybe you had some so, thoughts on it. So um, I, this actually was, I think for a long time, considered the front runner for best picture. It is not in, in that space anymore. I don't really think anybody expects Belfast to win anymore. Uh, I think that this movie is, is decent. It's fine. However, I cannot help but compare it to a movie that just came out a few years prior um, from Alfonso Cuaron called Roma, which um, I think follows a very similar style. It even has the black and white thing. It's a very personal family story. Um, even has the same kind of tension surrounding it with like, the domestic disturbances going on. Um, there's rioting in Roma as well. There's a lot of stuff like that. And I just think mm-hmm. that that film is better for me. Like that, everything about that movie is, is better. Um, and that's, that's why I think that watching this, I couldn't help, but take the Roma tent out of the glasses. And I think that that's why this movie, I don't think it's a bad film, but I think it kind of disappointed me. Um, and I just don't, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, for a movie that was heralded as a front runner for best picture, I was expecting more and I just don't think I really got it. Did they intentionally make it similar to Roma or was it just coincidence? Um, I think that I, I, I can't speak to what Kenneth Branagh was, um, you know, thinking when he wrote this, obviously it's a personal story to him. So that plays a huge role and it's, it's possible that he was inspired by that. I mean, making a black and white film, a personal story with, you know, surrounding in a surrounding political climate that's dangerous is not anything new. So mm. I don't know if he directly inspired it from that, but I think it's just getting a lot of comparisons to that, and rightfully so, because Roma was a best picture contender, and Roma did not win. So mm. I can't see any way that this one wins, and if it does, I think it would be a real shame if this one and a movie like Roma didn't, because I think that's just a better version of this film. Um, so yeah, mm. that Belfast, uh, not my favorite, it, and it, but it is a short watch. It's, I think, an easy, approachable Oscars movie. If you haven't seen it, it's for rent on Amazon. It's a little over an hour and a half. So you're not going in expecting like a three-hour epic or anything. That's some of the movies that we'll talk about later on. Um, it's a quick, easy watch. And I, I think there's some heartfelt moments and there's some quality things. Also, the last thing that I will say about it is the parents are too attractive. <laughs> okay? So Catriona Belfi and Jamie Dornan are two parents, two just middle-class random parents in Belfast. No, no, these people are too good looking. It, it takes me out of the movie. It quite literally does. Cause I cannot believe that people this good looking are just in this scenario. And I, I that's not like a slight of, I, I just think these people are too beautiful to just be in normal everyday life. So I think that it's just the right family. It just takes me, it just takes me out of the film. Um, so that's a small thing, but I just <laughs> want to mention that. All right. The next movie we have um, is Coda. Uh, Coda was written and directed by Cien Bader. It's a remake of a previous film, La Famille Belliere. It's, uh, well, I guess an adaptation, you could say a remake. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, it's about a young girl who struggles to find herself and her passions while balancing her family life and work. Uh, Coda stands for Child of Deaf Adults. So uh, the, the young girl, Ruby, in this film is the only non-deaf member of her immediate family. Her parents are deaf, and her older brother is also deaf. Um, 
So that's just a very interesting spin on a family drama. It's it's not, you know, it doesn't have insanely high stakes like some of these other movies, but I mm-hmm. think that it's really heartfelt. What? How did you feel about this movie? Um, I had, this was one of these movies, like when you mentioned you wanted to watch it, this was one I had never heard of and I didn't know anything about, you know, and I almost, it, it was one of those like kind of hidden gems that, Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't like your popular movies like Dune or, you know, those that have been uh, coming out. But I, I really, really enjoyed it. Um, again, didn't know what to expect. Um, and there's like a specific scene n- towards the end. Um, well, I don't really want to spoil it because if you haven't seen it, it's so impactful. But mm-hmm. there was a point where we were sitting in our living room watching it. And, and David and I just looked at each other and we were both had tears in our yeah. eyes. Like, and I don't. I don't cry a whole lot at movies. Um, I don't think David does either, but like it was a very emotionally resonant scene mm-hmm. and it was extremely powerful. Yeah, I don't want to give it that that up, but no, it was very very good. Um and again, I, I like like some of these movies like that you f- like this isn't like a remake, right? I mean, it, it's an adaptation of one movie that's really just not as popular, but it's yeah. not your classic, oh, let's remake this. Like this is a really unique yeah. story. It's not a it's and not it was a, well done. It doesn't feel like an I think Belfast, the movie we talked about previously, has been accused of being kind of Oscar bait cuz it's the kind of movie that that generally um the Academy goes for. It's like a higher society drama and like autobiographical based on true events that tends to be movies that the Academy likes. And um, Coda is a little is a little different than that. I think it's a little bit more lighthearted. I think when I go into watching Best Picture movies, sometimes I just expect them to be super dark and serious. But there's like a lot of fart jokes in this movie, mm-hmm. and like one of the titular jokes is that like when her parents um, when her parents have sex, you know, everybody else can tell they're being loud and they can't. Mm-hmm. So like if she has a friend over. You know, it's very obvious. And the only way that she can warn them is like going to their room and flicking the light switch on and off. Mm -hmm. She can't like bang on the door or anything. It's just a funny joke, but like it's something that you don't consider. Uh, Troy Kotzer is uh, Frank, the father in this movie. He is nominated for Best Supporting Actor. I think he'll win. His performance was very impressive to Mm me. Um, Extremely strong. You know, this is a movie that there's not that much dialogue, obviously. Um, Everything's conveyed through sign language and through through emotions and, and physical reactions. And I think that a lot of times we just rely on that giant monologue scene, yeah. you know, to give us like, oh, that's it. That's that's their that's yeah. their Oscar moment. That just and he didn't get that long monologue, and he doesn't have that in this movie. Well, if I'm not mistaken, the husband and, and wife are actually deaf in real life. Yes, the, yes. And Marley Matlin, one of my an actor, my, one of my favorite TV shows, The West Wing, is in this as the mother. And yeah, they're both. They're both, you know, they're not trying to be something they're not. Mm-hmm. You can tell that they, they understand kind of the struggles in this film. They understand um, the issues with relating to people that aren't deaf that are essential to this movie. Um, and it's just really, this is just a really powerful family movie. I would mm-hmm. encourage everybody to see it. Um, and it is on Apple TV Plus yeah. um, right now, which uh, they have a free trial for a week. So sign up for it there's not that i'm not gonna lie to you their category is not that big sign up for it watch the tragedy of macbeth this movie and ted lasso and then uh cancel your subscription (laughs) that's pretty much all you have to do so yeah all right the next film um i don't even know (laughs) if we really have to explain this everybody's probably heard about and talked about it endlessly at this point Mm -hmm. it's don't look up um dirks you're i'm i'm gonna go ahead and assume that you're not very high on this film tell me why um no, I I just wasn't a fan. I think, I think we all understand like, you know, everybody's, as far as the political, uh, 
climate of you mm-hmm. know today and stuff. And I think, well, one, I think people watch movies just to kind of get, get away from that. But also with this movie, it's just it's dramatized a lot more, mm-hmm. and it's just pretty kind of oversimplified. Of like, the left is like. Yeah, it's really soft. It's you just, can't look at me in a negative way. Only positive energy. Right. And the rights like old white guys yelling at space, saying that <laughs> space isn't real. It's like okay. <laughs> yeah. What it, what is this? The, you know. It, it took the farthest, most memeable stereotypes of I think every single person, every single archetype represented in this film, and turned them up to a hundred. Um, and it's it. it just, Which is unfortunate because like Jennifer Lawrence, Leonardo DiCaprio, Meryl, really Meryl, Meryl Streep and Jonah Hill, movie. all of them did a good job. <laughs> yeah, they're all acting the source material that they have well. And I I like Adam McKay. Uh, I I enjoyed Vice. I think that was a divisive movie. I I thought it was good. I thought it was, you know, kind of terrifying and awful to watch, but it was good. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Big Short is one of my favorite films of the past decade. I think that he's really talented, but I just think that all the nuance of satire was just thrown yeah. out the window, mm-hmm. and he was just beating you over the head for two and a half, yes, two and a half hours, this movie is. Mm-hmm. And, it, at, like, you never get a reprieve, and there's never any subtle, like, funny jokes. I think the funniest joke in this film is about, happens right at the beginning, when the general charges them money for the free snacks. Yeah. That's the funniest, mm-hmm. like, running joke that's in the movie. And it's a great through line that they carry. But the rest of it, I'm just, yeah. like, I just wasn't laughing. Even, like, with Meryl Streep, I get the, what they were doing as far as the presidency mm-hmm. and what they're referring. But I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. And I this, think. This, even this, I know it's not realistic, but it's like, okay, this is, like, and you know, it's like. Yeah, and I don't expect my satire to be, like. I think, yes, you have to make crazy archetypes and stuff. But I, th- I think of a movie of, like, Dr. Strangelove, uh, which was um, just a satire about the Cold War and about uh, nuclear aggression and stuff and tackled a very serious and, at that time, s- extremely scary topic, um, like the not unlike the climate crisis is today, but did it in, in a much, like, funnier way, more realistic way, less telling everybody i think that the problem with this movie is it's trying to tell all of us that we're stupid mm-hmm. and in a sense and like there's also a hive mind of like if you don't like don't look up it's because you're a moron mm. uh there's some people that think that and then there's other people that are on the other side of like you're just gonna listen to the millionaire hollywood filmmaker who's just gonna tweet about what you should do mm-hmm. and stuff because it's easy to tell normal regular people what they should do mm-hmm. whenever you have money and privilege and yeah, I think it just became such a divisive yeah. film. And quite honestly, I don't know why it's nominated. I, I don't it, was, it is not in my top 10 for this year. It's not even in my top 20. Um, I think there's much better films that kind of got slighted here. And this movie is a dark horse candidate, um, actually, to win. Um, I don't think it will, but it's I a, possi- surprised, it's though, a possibility. It's a possibility. It's stuff. Like it's, 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 yeah. Yeah. Especially because the satire is so heavy-handed, I I compare it to um, Bohemian Rhapsody, and like that is like what m- to music movies, what this movie is to satire movies, and like yeah, it's well made, and like there's some good performances in it, but you're thinking like this is not even close to the best of what this genre can be, but it's going to get recognized because it's such a massive movie that's in the consciousness. Mm-hmm. So I think it's the same scenario. I mean, there were I guess I mean there were some good points I think as far as like the big tech companies like kind of taking over and having a little too much say, but I, I, still even in that 
It's like, oh, we've already launched our space shuttle. It felt like I was being... Crashed them into the Earth. I don't want to... Like, yeah. it's like... Oh it just felt gosh. like I was being preached at with unfunny jokes. I was just getting more upset than I was laughing. Yeah, I and I, I, I think that there's a fine line with satire, and I just don't think he walked it well. Um, I, this doesn't turn me off from Ikea. I will watch his future projects, mm-hmm. but yeah. yeah. So now to turn to maybe the complete opposite of Don't Look Up, quite possibly... Um, is a movie nominated for Best Picture, a foreign language film, uh, Drive My Car. Um, this is a movie that's available right now on HBO Max. Um, it's three hours long. It's kind of what I was hinting at. It's a three-hour – the credits don't even roll in this movie until 45 minutes in, which is absolutely wild. That is. I, I just don't ever remember watching a movie where that happens, where they literally just roll liked it, opening credits. But, yeah, this movie just starts, and it it's – um, direct, written and directed by I am going to apologize because I'm going to do my best to pronounce these names but I have not heard them said in many places so I don't know how to Ryusaki Hamaguchi and it's based on a short story by Haruki Murakami um, it's about a famous stage actor and director who is tasked with leading a production at a Hiroshima theater festival but his like one thing that he loves to do is driving his car and it's how like it kind of is the his rest it's mm-hmm. his respite from daily life and it's how he prepares himself and it's taken away from him for liability reasons um and somebody else has to drive his car and he has to learn to like give up control but also process an immense amount of trauma including the death of his wife finding out that she was cheating on him um at trying to process all of that while you know directing a play that actually has connections with it that is about a family drama mm-hmm. um, and is kind of exhausting for him but he doesn't even want to act in it because it's too real mm-hmm. to him and it's going to pull too much out of him uh it's just about the journey of a man and i yeah. i really i enjoyed this film a lot yeah what did you think of it i enjoyed it i thought it was a little slow mm-hmm. um it is a slow burn. especially with my adhd yeah kind of the, really the, the first two hours i was like come on like yeah. i gotta i gotta stick in this but like i think it was worth it towards the end like mm-hmm. the resolution of the movie i was like wow okay mm-hmm. you know like so I, I did enjoy it, but man, I was, it was kind of hard for me to stay focused in th- those first two hours. I think just the, the scene, the scenes and the plot direction just throughout is so smart because things that you remember happening, like everything is intentional in this film. Everything that you see intention is intentional. The like long shots on the red car just like are etched in your brain. I think my favorite shot from the film is when they're smoking the cigarettes and they lifted out the sunroof. Mm-hmm. Like that's just such a cool visual. But like threads that you see pop up at the beginning, like because this story, the I guess prologue, takes place before the credits roll, and then you jump in time two years, and that's when the rest of this movie takes place. Mm-hmm. And you see things from the prologue and how they're still affecting him, and not in like a super obvious way but in like subtle ways and you can see how just daily life has changed for him and how he's trying to process all these emotions um hidoshi nishima is the plays the main character in this he is wonderful in this film he's one of those performances that's not it's not one of those like loud and boisterous you know Mm -hmm. he doesn't have a lot of yelly moments but you can see the pain he's very quiet you can see the pain and the anguish on his face and the line readings are excellent Mm -hmm. um this is a movie I wish I would have saw in theaters, though, because I think what you were talking about is the same thing. It's the temptation when you're sitting in your living room to be distracted, to look at your phone, to to check something else, to kind of s- stray off, which I think when I'm in a movie theater, I, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. And so this is also one of the films. because you paid for it. So you're like, no, yeah. <laughs> and this is one of the films that I wish I would have seen in a movie theater because mm-hmm. I think it would have been more effective. Yeah. Uh, I really enjoyed this, though. Yeah. 
it is a slow burn. Um, and this is an outside. It, it has, It's a dark horse chance. It's a lot of people's favorites, but I don't really expect it to do much. Uh, I would not be upset if Drive My Car won Best Picture, though. I mm -hmm. think that would be a welcome choice for me. So next we have another just complete opposite, um, and that is Denis Villeneuve's sci-fi epic Dune. Uh, Dirks, we saw this in a theater together. Mm -hmm. This is the only way I think you should see this movie for the first time. Yep. I think it's a theater movie. What was your experience like when you were there? Uh, I thought it was incredible. I think this is probably, probably uh, in everyone's opinion, maybe but the Academy, this is probably in first place. This is probably has like the highest chance of, of, of stealing it. Yeah, um, I think that... Yeah, this film is, you know, it's well-loved in the consciousness, I feel like, and by almost everybody, it's beloved, but I feel like it, I've heard that it has no shot of winning, which is just amazing to Interesting. me. But, but I mean, I, I loved it. Uh, first, I mean, the, the, the cast list is incredible. Uh -huh. Timothy Chalamet, Rebecca Ferguson, Zendaya, Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, Josh Brolin, Stellan Skarsgård, <laughs> Javier Bodum, Dave Bautista... Um, I mean, did I miss anybody? Probably. <laughs> like, there's just, it's loaded. Yeah. It, it, this uh, David uh, Dasmachian, how do you say that? I think that was correct. I couldn't tell you. Um, Not great with names. And I just, I mean, it's nominated for 10 Oscars, and people, a movie can only be nominated for 11 Oscars. So it, it cleared, and that's actually something to talk about, because it was nominated for 10 Oscars of the 11, and the one it wasn't nominated for is Best Director. Which it's the academy how does, recognizing a, how does a director make a movie that's nominated for all ten, 10 of 11 but then not get best director it's it doesn't make sense and that's where the brana nomination is troubling to me because brana was nominated for best director for belfast and you're telling me that denis villeneuve is not nominated for dune a singular vision of his work like this is a denis villeneuve film if you've seen any of his previously obviously it's not the same as them but like the things that you look for in Denis Villeneuve's film are like the sound, like the sound design and the score is so important to his movies. He didn't remake it's stunning, this. Stunning, like a, colossal yeah. visuals yeah. that don't look CGI heavy. He's using CGI, but it feels like it feels different. It's sometimes kind of confusing narratives, but ones that aren't really that are easy to follow, but they loop around. And this is this is just his movie. It's mm -hmm. a singular performance from him, and I don't know how it's not nominated. And one of the people nominated, Hans Zimmer, um, who has won an Oscar previously, is nominated for Best Score. He actually created new instruments for Dune. Really? Um, like, literally built new instruments that have never been heard before and to create the score for this because he wanted it to be so unique and different and, you know, if as cliche as it sounds, out of this world. I think he's the front runner. I'm pretty sure he takes it. Um, but the Dune score is just so amazing. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if Dune won the most Oscars but didn't win Best Picture, maybe. That, yeah, that would not surprise me either. I think that this is a wall I don't to agree, wall, but I don't think it's wall to wall me. epic film, one of my favorites of the year, and one of the best sci fi movies we've gotten in the last 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, Denis Villeneuve would never do this, uh, but I would love to see what he could do with a Star Wars trilogy. Mm. Um, I think that that would be fantastic. I mean, no one p randomly picked up the DC trail. Like, you <laughs> yeah, never I know, guess. like if I guess, but I don't think it would yeah. happen. But I this this novel also Dune is famously difficult to adapt. It's been adapted before as a TV series and it's a David Lynch movie. Both of those are considered kind of failed uh, attempts. Um, this is uh, you don't know this going in, but this is actually part one mm -hmm. of two. There's there's two films. Um, and the second one is going to be even bigger. Yeah, the second one is probably going to be even more, more action massive, and more hopefully longer. will make more at the box office because it won't be released in a time when we're still having to deal with COVID. Mm -hmm. 
I feel like we've been saying that for two years. Though. Yeah. But Ed, I think it's also like a spin. I think people are criticizing this movie for like having the white savior complex. Um, but I have not read the source material, but I've read a lot of information about the source material. And I'll just say that that is not what's going on here. It actually turns a lot of the common things that you would think of in older sci-fi stuff on its head. So I'm really excited to see what we, we get. But Dune, easily one of my favorites. Some of that's obvious sometimes, but also I'm like, can we just enjoy a good movie? That's like, also true. You know, but no, yeah, wow. I was I was really impressed. I, so one thing I love about Denis Villeneuve is similar to Christopher Nolan, I love his wide shots. Yeah. I think there's just so much detail in those, like, specific wide shots. Like, it's just really impressive to, like, see mm-hmm. every little thing that he's included on that screen. And, uh, man, he's... He's done a, he hasn't really done a whole lot of movies, but the ones he's done have been very, very impressive. So. Yeah, he's he's one of my he's one of my favorites going right now. One of the most influential directors in Hollywood. So this is really cool. All right, up next we have um, King Richard, which is obviously the Will Smith vehicle that is about the father of Venus and Serena Williams, and kind of how he contributed to getting them to be two of the greatest female athletes of all time and and Serena probably one of the five just greatest athletes in any sport ever mm-hmm. so yeah uh, I'm actually just going to take a little step back and let David talk about his love for Will Smith because I know that that almost knows no bounds so <laughs> go ahead speak on it um I, I really enjoyed this one thing I love about Will Smith is that he puts so much time in his movies um and just and, and you know everybody has everybody kind of has a flop. So either ha- I would say a couple movies he's done. Like, After Earth, it's like okay, that wasn't very good. Yeah, but like he just puts so much time into his films, and I think he did an incredible job with this. Um, just and I, one thing I, I, I didn't mention is he had uh, actually Serena and Venus actually sit down and watch it before it was aired, and like would not like essentially was pending their approval of this. this is this how your life was? Mm-hmm. Is this how you grew up? Is this actually how it happened? And they said, yeah, this is spot on to how it, how it was growing up. So it's just a testament to that as well. And, um, you know, it, this movie is about Serena and Venus, but I do think it's it's cool to see, like, how he pushed them and how and how he gave really them opportunities to um, to perfect the sport that they're the best at now. Mm-hmm. Um, and even, like, you know, like some, with these true stories, at the very, very end, they have, like, real-life pictures, mm-hmm. and they do, like, that comparison for this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's just really impressive how, like, spot-on each actor uh, and real-life character, they just looked, and even how he dressed and uh, how Will Smith spoke, a little mm-hmm. bit of a lisp, a little bit of a higher pitch. Yeah. Sounds exactly like the real-life um, father of the two. And I thought it was just very well done. Um Nominated for six Oscars. Will Smith um, will likely, he's the front runner to win Best Actor. He, I think after Leo won, he's kind of the, the domino that everybody's been waiting to fall for, for getting an Oscar. Like how has um, he not won? Yeah, yeah. and I think, I think he'll get it. I, I, in, I think he should. I think he deserves it for his performance in this film. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about I, it? I think I'm lower. I, I know I'm lower on it than you are. Um, I, I am famous for my not enjoying of biopics that much um i think they can be interesting but i think that they get a little bit too much shine um and my favorite part of this film honestly is when will smith's not on screen and that's not because of will smith's performance but just because i'm quite honestly not super interested in in the the williams sister's father like Mm -hmm. i i i think it's cool and i think that it's an important story and if they think that i should know about it then i should know about it but 
I care way more about Venus and Serena and mm-hmm. having them be at the forefront uh, of a film. And I think that we kind of don't get that. And you also get some classic sports movie stuff um, in this one too. And Got to build anticipation. I think that this, the script is well and it's well acted. I think the directing is sometimes too paint by the numbers, classic sports movie. Um, and I think that that kind of hurts it. I don't really think this has a shot at best picture. I, I didn't hate it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like a, it's a three and a half out of five for me. It, Do you think there was a, a good mix that I of won't. the two daughters and him? Um, I thought that there were points where it was strong and there were other points where it was a little too King Richard for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, that the actor, the actress that played, uh, Sonia Sidney that played Venus did, mm-hmm. did a very good job. Um, mm-hmm was very strong in like portraying emotion, but again, not doing that like outward, just ridiculous, you know, kid throwing a tantrum thing. Yeah. Like she was stuck by her father and stuff, but you could tell like when things bothered her and when she wasn't allowed to say anything. But again, I just, I think I care more about um, Venus and, and Serena than I, I would about their father. So I think that for me, the, just the focus of the movie, I wish it was on something mm-hmm. different. That's not to say this is a bad film. Yeah. I just, I will say I think it. Will Smith was the perfect actor for this yes. this character and, and this movie. I think it was very well done. Yeah, this movie is well cast. I also think John Barenthal was excellent at, at, yeah. as yeah, he was. Uh, Rick Macy, the uh, tennis coach. John Barenthal playing just a straight-up good guy, which is rare for John Barenthal, mm-hmm. I feel like. Um, but he he's, one of, he's, I think, an, a very underrated actor um, who's extremely strong in everything and he's in, and I think he did a fantastic job. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's a decent movie, but I don't think I will revisit it very often in the future. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. All right. Now we get down to it. The <laughs> movie that I've been waiting to talk about, it is Licorice Pizza, written and directed by Paul Thomas Anderson. Um, starring Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman and other people that I don't really want to mention if you haven't seen this film because honestly it's more fun when the cameos pop up and you're like oh my gosh this mm-hmm. person's in this movie oh my gosh this person yeah don't look at movie. the cast list if you want to watch the movie yeah so uh, I, I, I actually I w- I'm curious because David, David watched this for the first time last night mm-hmm. um, so I'm curious to hear what his, his thoughts are about it because I love it so what did you think Actually, and real quick, uh, Cooper Hoffman's actually uh, Philip Seymour, the late Philip Seymour Hoffman's son. Yes. Uh, who many of you probably know that name. Very, very famous actor. Of, uh, also a frequent contributor of PTA. He's in a lot of Paul Thomas mm-hmm. Anderson movies as well. And he tragically uh, passed away, just drug use and stuff like that. Um, but it's cool seeing his son. He's getting... Uh, he, it did a good job in this, very good job, and I think he might start getting more yeah, the traction. T- the two leads in this movie, Alana Haim and Cooper Hoffman, are in their first ever starring roles. Wow. In their first movies. Just think about that. Hmm. And this movie is nominated for Best Picture. But um, That's so good. Uh, I, I really, really liked it. I, um, it took me a little bit. I didn't really like I was like, what am I watching? What's, what's, what's this movie about? Yeah. But... You know, and I, I, we talked about this with, I think, Coda. I like how it wasn't a sequel. It wasn't a prequel. It wasn't a remake. You know, it was. it's literally just about two kids, two no-names, uh, just trying to find their way and trying to grow up in, you know, San Fernando Valley in 1970. Like, it's <laughs> not like, yeah. it's not this huge deal or this big blockbuster. Like, it's just a simple, just well-done uh, movie, and I, I enjoyed it. I, uh... I don't want to. Uh, I want to. It's like, don't you want to talk don't, about don't, it? Yeah, but yeah. don't spoil it. I understand what you're doing. But there's I, just some really cool shots. You actually mentioned this with um, "Drive My Car" of how there are sh- shots earlier in the movie, and the, at the end, 
um, yeah. they they flash back, yeah, and back and forth, and it pulls you. it together, and you're yeah. like, this is cool. Like, I, I thought it was very well done. I mean, it is a PTA movie, but I just thought, again, the casting um, was was very good, and you you like this, you say this, but like it's a coming of age movie, and it, I think it was very I, well done. Yeah, I'm a sucker for for coming of age stories. I think they're fantastic. I think that this movie has a an, uh, great balance of uh, of drama, but also just comedy and genuine laughter, and not like just slapstick humor. Um, but like the the jokes are just coming at a million miles an hour, and uh, some of them I I've seen this movie twice in theaters. Um, and the first time that I watched it, I didn't catch some things that mm. um, on repeat viewing were absolutely hilarious to me. Um, I felt like this movie was not long enough, <laughs> which is always a good sign. You know, it. Yeah, uh, it's like, wait, it's already eight, over? Eight, yeah, it's like two hours and 15 minutes, which doesn't sounds like that's a decently long movie, but it like flies by and it, it's so fun. Um, I think there's been a little controversy surrounding it and I want to I want to address that. Um, first, uh, the two characters, there is a big age gap. Um, Cooper Hoffman's character, Gary Valentine is 15 and, and Alana Heim's character. We don't actually know how old she is. We think she's low twenties, mid twenties, probably. Um, and they're in not, they're in a pseudo romantic relationship. Not really, but really. Um, and I think that a lot of people are being turned off by that. And if that is something that turns you off, then that is completely understandable for me. I don't think the film and PTA has kind of said this, I don't think it's endorsing it. I think that you actually see that these characters are kind of bad for each other mm. and that neither one of them, I don't think at the end of this movie, you think that they're like going to be around each other forever. You're mm. not like, oh, this, these two are meant to be. Uh, mm. It's not like a, I, I just don't feel like it's like a classic love story like that. And so I think that some people have been turned off by that. And I think that it's also just, he's trying to be kind of accurate to the time period and as gross as that sounds, that's kind of true. Mm -hmm. And that this boundary wouldn't be cared about um, but I don't think that the movie is endorsing that. I also, there's an incident with one of the side characters um, where um, it's a performing a racist stereotype of an Asian person multiple mm. times. Uh, PTA has talked about this. This is one, one of the, I think, the most fair criticisms of this movie. Um, I think that, however, from my point of view and the way that I saw it, the joke is absolutely on the person that is doing the stereotype. They're the one being portrayed as the idiot in this film. Mm -hmm. They're the one that we're supposed to laugh at. They're the one that we're supposed to make fun of. I don't think this film is endorsing that kind of language action in any way, shape, or form. Yeah. But if that is also something that bothers you, I will not try to argue with you and tell you that you're wrong. Mm -hmm. um, with all that being said, this is one of my 20 favorite movies ever now. This is my favorite PTA movie, I think. Um, that may go down and recency bias fades. Um, this is an amazing film for me. Um, wall to Wall has everything that I was looking for. I had high expectations going into the theater because Paul Thomas Anderson is one of the five best directors still making movies. I'll give you six. And <laughs> um, he absolutely exceeded those expectations, and it was everything I could have hoped I kind of laughed at you when I saw Letterboxd and you gave the like Licorice Pizza a perfect score. Yeah. I was like, Licorice Pizza? What the crap is yeah, this? Yeah, and then he watched it, yeah. So... Um, and it, it's called Licorice Pizza because it is actually named after a record store and a slang for, for vinyl records because they're the color of licorice but are shaped like pizza. I've also heard people have theories that it's because the two main characters represent those two kinds of junk food and that they're great apart from each other. But if you try to put them together, you get a combination that's not very good for anybody, hmm. which is kind of interesting. That's deep. But I love this movie. Um, I will always love this movie. Uh, yeah. Just go watch it. It's <laughs> available for rent on Amazon right now. It's also still in theaters. I imagine it's going to hit more streaming platforms later on. Yeah. Um, it's still pretty new. I'm kind of so. surprised that they didn't try to drop it on a streaming platform before 
the Oscars, like a lot of things are doing with HBO, almost all these movies are available for free mm-hmm. um, on some sort of streaming service to try to get more people to see them and kind of more of a groundswell of movement. You think because he knows he doesn't have to? I think that this isn't going to win Best Picture. I think he knows that. I'm rooting for Best um, Screenplay or Best Director, which I think he still has a shot at, but we'll see. Hmm. All right. Uh, We're going to take a quick little break here, and then we're going to come back with the rest of the films. Then we're going to rank them. So stick around. All right, welcome back. We are talking about the Oscars and specifically the Best Picture Race. We have already run through the majority of the list of films that have been nominated. We've talked about seven so far. We have three to go. So we'll jump right into it and talk about Nightmare Alley. Uh, The movie was written by Kim Morgan and Guillermo del Toro and directed by del Toro. It's based off a novel by Lindsay Grisham and actually is a remake of a 1947 film, which I didn't know until after I saw the movie. Mm, Okay. It's about a grifter that climbs the ranks of a carnival before striking out on his own in kind of chaos ensues. Stars Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, Willem Dafoe, Rooney Mara. I mean, we've said this a lot of times, but once again, just an amazing wall-to-wall cast. Didn't even mention people like Ron Perlman is also in this film. Um, Some of the actors that you may not know their names, like Dirk says this a lot, but you will see the movie and go, Oh my God, I've seen that guy. And like, yeah, there's like three others you didn't mention. You're like, seen I, that guy in like 10 yeah. other things, yeah. you know? So this movie, I think was a surprise to me. This is the one I think I knew the least about going in. I yeah, had same. no idea what nightmare alley was. Uh, I thought it was going to be kind of a straight up horror movie. It didn't end up being that it was more of a thriller psychological movie. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what were your reactions after we saw this? I had to take a couple days to process this. I was like, what? I because I obviously I didn't know what going into it so I was kind of like it was just raw information um but yeah I didn't we both kind of sat there for a couple seconds after we finished we're like what did we just watch yeah Yeah. so I I thought it was really interesting um I I liked it and again like usually when you have this big of a cat's list like usually it's a pretty good movie yeah like when there's now you there's been like a couple there's been movies where it's like two or three actors that are famous and it's a bad movie Mm -hmm. but really I mean, there's like five, Normally six, seven. Normally, when you get this amount of people together, you're gonna solid you're gonna actors. Get a film. Yeah, um, and I, I liked it. I think I gave it a uh, let's. Say, I, I think I gave it a three and a half out of five. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that's my most common ranking. Um, so it was, it was probably just like it was good. Yeah, I think I, that's about as far as I. I think that this movie didn't didn't blow me away. Um, I think there are parts of it that did. I think that it's got some very strong aspects and strong performances. Kate Blanchett is fantastic in this mm-hmm. film. Um, she's also in, and don't look up obviously, but I think that she is, she turns in a super strong performance and is kind of, I think one of the reasons why I really enjoyed this. I'm surprised I, she didn't get nominated. Um, I would probably sub Judy Dench from Belfast and put her in because I don't feel like Judy Dench was in enough of that movie to really get a nomination. Mm. Um, but I I really enjoy Blanchett and I think it's got some classic Guillermo del Toro things. If you've seen any of, y- of his films, you know prosthetics are big for him, but also like kind of body horror um, characters, shady motives. He's really big into that. He's really big into r- revealing like these larger epic worlds um, mm. from kind of small beginnings. Um, this movie like has something happen in the opening scene that you do not understand at all until the yeah. last, what, four minutes of this movie probably. Yeah. Um, kind of hanging over you the whole movie. I think it kind of starts to fall apart for me for the action set piece at the end. Um, I didn't love that part, uh, but I think Cooper is very strong. I think that the mystery involved in this film is, is also quite strong. 
um, and the performance is really good. Yeah, Bradley Cooper did a phenomenal job. Yeah, he is great at taking weird roles, and mm-hmm. this is another weird role, um, and he's good in it. Uh, Willem Dafoe is obviously cropping up in this. Um, he's Willem Dafoe is ever a creepy, kind of shady mm-hmm. person playing in exactly what you would expect, but you don't care because it's Willem Dafoe and yep. he's fantastic. You get it just about everything uh, he's in. Also, Tony Collette is it plays a super um, important figure in this movie that's actually not in a lot of screen time, I feel like. I feel like she's in the beginning of the film a lot and then kind of mm-hmm. fades away, but yeah. is like ever-present. And Tony Collette is also just ever-present in that she's a fantastic actress um, and is great at just getting you to feel what her character's feeling in the moment mm-hmm. um, on screen. And she does a fantastic job of that in this movie. So Nightmare Alley is available on HBO Max and Hulu. I don't think this one really has a shot to win either. I think it's actually probably in last place in the rankings. Um, I think Del Toro would have more of a shot if he didn't already win for Shape of Water a few years ago. And that's kind of hurt his, mm-hmm. I think, just, I, I, I think that he got his Oscar there. And unless he makes a just real standout movie, I think that, the Academy's kind of going to ignore him. So, mm-hmm. but uh, I think it was well done. I, I, did, I did enjoy it. I'd probably watch it again, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, it, it was good. I think it's one of the, it's the middle of the pack for me uh, mm-hmm. among the best picture movies, but not super strong, not super weak either, obviously. So the next one we're going to talk about is actually the front runner for, for best picture. It is the power of the dog written and directed by Jane Campion based on a novel by Thomas Savage. Um, it is an anti, Western is kind of the term I've heard thrown around. Mm. Uh, takes some of the stereotypes of Westerns and kind of turns them on their head a little bit. It's about Phil Burbank, a uh, charismatic bully of a rancher who strikes up a terrifying and sometimes heartfelt relationship with his brother's new wife and son. Um, it's a psychological thriller kind of drama, mystery, Western, a bunch of other things. Once again, a movie that I went to watch and didn't really expect anything just knew benedict cumberbatch and jesse plemons were in it and was yeah, like we, all right we didn't know what to expect when I, we were watching i'm that. there um it's a netflix movie uh it's beautiful mm-hmm. this film is just you can look at the still photos um and just see the absolute gorgeous scenery um you know and how campion uses that as a part of the story and how it makes you this movie i believe was shot in new zealand where campion is from but is supposed to be set in montana um, and it, it, it's Montana or Wyoming. I don't remember. I think it's Montana and it feels, you know, like it's in the American West. It doesn't, it doesn't seem like it's out of place. New Zealand is obviously famous for its landscapes was the setting for all of the Tolkien stuff that's ever been filmed. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoyed this movie. Uh, I, it's not my favorite of the year, but I think that particularly Cumberbatch's performance is extremely effective. Yeah. I thought he was phenomenal. He's terrifying. Yeah. Like you, it's the kind of classic person where you like, I think everybody's had this person in their lives where they're kind of afraid of this guy, but they also want to be friends with him Mm. because you like want him to like you, but you also hate him because he's terrifying and he's a bad person. Yep. And that is exactly what Cumberbatch is doing. Like the little things that he does in this movie, his character does like, uh, he goes the one point Kirsten Dunst is, is the new wife. Um, and Cumberbatch, it, they're all living in one house, right? And mm-hmm. Cumberbatch's character is upstairs listening to her pr- attempt to play the piano, but she's kind of she's kind of got rattled nerves. She's not very good at it. Hadn't played it in a while. And hasn't yeah. played it in a while, and she keeps messing up. And instead of, like, going down and doing the obvious thing that you'd expect to be like, you suck, you're terrible, he just starts strumming the same tune on the banjo, but he does it perfectly and does it exactly just loud enough so he knows that she can hear him and just is, like, showing her up, like, essentially, you're nothing. You're mm-hmm. trash. 
by saying this, he's saying you're trash. He like is just terrifying in this movie. And this also, I learned a Thomas Savage. This is kind of, this is also autobiographical. The, the novel that he wrote um, is based off of the story of his life. Hmm. And, and he is the Cody Smith McPhee character, which is Kirsten Dunst's um, son and Jesse Plemons' character um, is his stepson. And it's, it's kind of amazing to think that a person would go through that and then write that down. But this is one of those movies that just, I think also rewards repeat viewings because you start to notice mm-hmm. things that crop yeah, up. Yeah, I want to watch it again. But it's, it's also a movie where you go in expecting kind of something else. I expected kind of a classic Western. There's no guns in this film. You mm-hmm. don't see a six shooter in a holster and there's no shootout in the middle of a, you know, sketchy town somewhere Mm-mm. like a ghost town. You know, it turns a lot of things on its head. Yeah. Yeah, I thought uh, Cumberbatch did an incredible job, and I thought Kirsten Dunst did a good job. Um, one of those, like, right, you haven't heard from her in a while, right? Mm-hmm. You know, she was in the Spider-Man trilogy. And she's um, kind of made some smaller, more indie films, but hasn't really been in a major yeah. movie. I and think you that. almost are like, don't take her seriously, almost, I feel like. And mm-hmm. then you, and it's just what she did in this movie. I was just very impressed. And like you said, yeah, it's just not your classic Western. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't know what to expect. I was like... I was like, I was almost like exhausted after this movie because I was just like so engaged. Mm-hmm. Um, just because really I didn't know where they were taking this. Um, where uh, Jane, Jane Campion, Campion. I almost said champion. I'm like, I know that's <laughs> not right. There's no H. Um, where she was taking this, and I, I, did, I do think it was very well done. Um, and Jesse Plemons is kind of an up and coming star. He's he. We've seen him in a lot of younger stuff growing up, mm-hmm. and I think and he's. he's He's, he's becoming, grown up now. He's becoming the most reliable, I think, character actor. Um, his his character in this movie does not have a lot to do, but he still does. He still does the most with the small amount of screen time that he has. And he's got, he got nominated. Actually, him and Cody Smith McPhee both got nominated for best supporting. Cumberbatch was nominated for best actor, and Kirsten Dunst was nominated for best supporting actress. So this is a film that has twelve nominations total. Mm. Um, and I think is going to lose a lot of the down the line races, but it's going to win best picture. Um, uh, this movie is not immune from controversy either. Uh, a couple of things have happened recently. One is Sam Elliott kind of went on a rant about how this movie was treating cowboys. There's, this, there's um, two of the characters in this film. Well, one of the characters for sure in this film is gay. Um, and uh, there's, you know, trying to avoid spoilers, but that is that is a important function of the story and sam elliott kind of went on a some sort of incoherent almost rant about how western sh- there shouldn't be gay people and west starring in westerns and some other stuff is that it wasn't true to the time um as if sam elliott was on a frontier ranch in the early 20th century and would know what the heck he's talking about but it's also a movie Um, I think that was ridiculous and it kind of captured the consciousness and some people were calling it woke Western. And uh, I would just say to you that that just watch the movie. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't think it's trying to force any agenda down your throat. I don't think that it is uh, obviously trying to tell you stuff, but yeah, this is a movie about toxic masculinity Um, and Cumberbatch's character is the epitome of toxic masculinity. Mm -hmm. And it's about how toxic masculinity a lot of times like is, resonant and happens in the homosexual community as well and i think that it's important i think it's something people should watch Mm -hmm. so i think elliot was a moron in saying what he said um and then campion kind of stepped in it a little bit at a recent award show by in a way comparing yourself to the williams sisters another obvious 
focal point in the best picture race and saying that they don't have to compete against men, but she does. Uh, I think she may have meant it as a joke. It did not come out well. It kind of sounded like she was trying to diminish the accomplishments of other people and kind of boost herself up in mm-hmm. the eyes of everyone else because if you're a director, you're not just competing against female directors. You're competing against male directors as well. Uh, not really apples to apples there. Sports and movies are not the same in the way mm-hmm. that they compete. Sports are objective. Movies are subjective mm-hmm. pretty yeah. much all the time. So I don't really know what she was doing there. You think I, that hurts she, her chances? Or? She was seen laughing with them afterwards and maybe apologized. We don't really know. I think she kind of just screwed up a little bit. I think it may have hurt her chances slightly. I don't think it's going to have a serious knock on on gotcha. her odds to win. But that was also just not a not a great move from no. Campion, who I think is a is a great filmmaker, but kind of just lost touch and just said something that she shouldn't have. Yeah. So that's that's kind of been in the consciousness. I wonder if that'll pop up at all. If anybody will even make jokes about it, you know, Oscars are famous for monologue jokes and stuff by the the host this year. Mm-hmm. Regina Hall, Amy Schumer, and Wanda Sykes are um, very funny people. So. I imagine there may be some jokes. I don't know if they'll touch that. It may be a little too, a little too close to home. Yeah, I mean, yeah, a little yeah. too ever present in everybody's mind. Of course, and even if they're told not to say anything, then eh? you still say something. Yeah, we'll see. Um, but yeah, I think that that's something. But I don't think that should detract from you watching this movie. This is a Netflix movie. Netflix has obviously made a huge push recently to to kind of get these awards nominations. Most famously, I think with the Irishman, they were really pushing mm-hmm. for the Irishman to win stuff, and now it looks like they may have a Best Picture on their hands, which. I don't know, five years ago, that would have been kind of unthinkable. Yeah. Maybe to think They've about. come a long way a in Netflix their original movie they movies. They've, they've really improved. Yeah, and, and they ma- for every good one they make, they make six terrible ones that they just drop on a Friday. But I can't but name six terrible ones. I can name one really good one. Yeah, because you don't watch the terrible <laughs> ones. Uh, the Babysitter 2. Oh my <laughs> there okay. you go. There you go. Um, yeah, but this I think this is a really good movie, and you should check it out if you haven't already. All right. And the last one. But not least, by any means. But not least we're going to talk about is uh, a movie made by a tiny independent filmmaker known as Steven Spielberg. It is West Side Story, a remake of perhaps one of the most famous musicals of all time. I don't even know if it's a remake. It's his version of it. Um, It was written by Tony Kushner and obviously based on Arthur Laurentiis' original play um, with some slight alterations. Uh, I, I don't like musicals at all. I thought this movie was really good. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, and it's Kushner and it's Spielberg. I mean, Spielberg is one of the three greatest filmmakers of all time. I feel so very, good. very comfortable saying that. Yeah. Um, and just the things that he's doing with the camera and this film and the cinematography itself is amazing. You, however, are a much bigger musical person than me. So as a kind of musical junkie, how did you feel about this movie? Uh, I thought it was beautiful. Um, I thought the shots were very good. Um, I I was surprised there wasn't as much singing. I like. And I, okay, I have many thoughts. I just gotta spit out one. <laughs> I I kind of liked like the first five minutes. There wasn't dialogue. It was like a quiet like mm-hmm. start, and it was very unique in that. Uh, and also like right, you have. Um, there's really two iconic songs in West Side Story, mm-hmm. and he saved them. Right, it wasn't like we got to get this song out. So we like he saved kind of those two iconic yes. pieces towards the end. And I was waiting the entire movie. I'm like, all right, when it's when is when are they going to sing these? Yeah. You know, and you know he finally revealed them, and I just thought it was very well done. I thought um, I thought Tony and Maria were perfectly well well casted. 
uh, for this movie. Mm. Um, and uh, no, I, I very much enjoyed it. And again, I said this, but the, some of the shots were just incredible. Yeah, I think the one that stands out to me is um, Tony is Tony is looking up at where Maria's apartment is. And you see he's standing in like a pool of water. And you see just the twinkling lights behind him. It's harder for me to describe how amazing that shot is, but that shot is amazing. And I, yeah, I enjoyed this film, and it's it's a musical. And I think that I would never watch the original. And that's just because I don't like musicals. And I, um, I I kind of have some negative baggage with it, just because I know that like it's very famous for casting white people in the Puerto Rican roles and having them wear lots of bronzer and some other stuff that's just not great. It is an iconic movie. The original movie did win Best Picture, um, which. I How think fun would that be if this helps this film? It's prestigious. Like, you know, one of the best filmmakers of all time remakes considered one of the best musicals of all time and wins best picture would be cool. I don't, I don't know if it's going to happen. Um, I think that for me, the star of the movie is Ariana DeBose as Anita. I think that she, mm. you, whenever she's on screen, you just cannot take your eyes off of her during, during yeah. the musical numbers. And she took control of that. She, yeah, that. she has so much emotion and just raw power in her singing and her dancing and her line readings. She's got the iconic, like the flowing of the skirt, which I think is very famous from the original. Mm -hmm. I've heard a lot of people talk about that. And it's, you know, you, you, this is one of those things where you like, you like look, and you're like, oh my gosh, she's just magnetic mm -hmm. in this movie. She's it, the front runner for best supporting. Yeah, actress, I would say I she think, got nominated for best I think, supporting. I think she'll actress. probably win that. Um, I kind of some weird stuff here. Uh, Rachel Zegler has actually not been invited to the Oscars. She is Maria in this film. So she is the lead of a movie that is nominated for Best Picture. And she did not get nominated herself. Um, she didn't even get invited to, to the Oscars, which is why. very, very strange. Who all was invited um, for this movie? I, I, everybody. I would imagine the entire cast. But for some reason, Rachel Zegler was, was left off. Um, she said she'd she didn't get an invite and is hoping for a last minute miracle. This is an article in, in people, um, yesterday, actually, huh. like, I don't understand how you do that. So cause it's a, if Academy, figure it out. If you're not, if your movie's nominated for best picture in the entire, at yeah, least main you should cast be there. Invited. You should, yeah, she should be there. She's the star of a movie nominated for best picture. And one of, one of the probably That's 10 really best weird. Movies. So I, I, I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the singing. I enjoyed, I know that they bent some stuff a little bit. They changed a couple of characters around. They use Rita Marina is one an actress in the original film. She is playing a character that is kind of new in this one. She's taking over. She, they kind of gender swapped the role for her. There is some other stuff. They changed the order uh, of some of the songs and, and things of that nature. Um, when they happen, I think to try to make them more impactful and also just for Spielberg to make this his own to mm -hmm. not just do a you know shot for shot remake, but he's yeah. making this his own. Um, but I think that. You know, this is this film it, so is so good. Is I got very my hopes up, and I was and very satisfied. Yeah, and I think that we there's also some controversy surrounding this. Ansel Elgort has been accused of um, sexual assault um, since this came out, and they actually made the decision not to reshoot his scenes because this film was shot in like 2019. Mm. You know, um, and was then a victim of the pandemic and got delayed and delayed and delayed and didn't really make that much money in the box office. But I think it's doing probably a lot of business on Disney plus and HBO max where it's available right now. So that's kind of, there's some baggage for that. And if there's people that don't want to see it because of that, I completely understand. Um, I think that probably if they had another chance, they may have recast Tony. I think that Elgort is not the strongest part of this movie. I think he may be a little weak. His singing is not great to me as a non-musical person, but 
he does a serviceable job and I think the rest of the cast lifts him so much that it's it's really good. So that that was us talking about every single one of the best picture nominations now we are going to rank them based off enjoyment and probably talk about maybe talk about some ones that we would have included and subbed out. So after this break, we will be ranking all the best picture movies. All right, welcome back. And we are going to finish off this episode by ranking the best picture movies and then maybe talking about some substitutes that we would have had instead. So, Again, the nominees are Belfast, Coda, Don't Look Up, Drive My Car, Dune, King Richard, Licorice Pizza, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, and West Side Story. Let's talk about your number 10. Let's just go 10 to 1 here. Mm-hmm. David, what would you put in last place? Don't Look Up. Yeah, I would agree. I, I think gave it it's a, the weakest. I gave it a 6 out of 10, which might be, I don't know, maybe high. I don't know. I, I just did not enjoy this film. No, I don't think it should have been... Um, nominated i think a lot of people actually think that too yeah and i think that this is a movie that got nominated especially because of one it's got the biggest actor on the planet and it, and it also was a movie that was in the consciousness a lot mm-hmm. um it's a very popular movie for people so i think that that helped but yeah i would agree so 10 we both have don't look up what is your number nine pick and i think that we should clarify that this does not mean this movie is bad no it's just personal thing no uh my nine is actually drive my car Okay. Um, so I think the big thing for me, it was just the three hours. I think that, I think it was just the first two hours. I, it was it's just a slow burn. And if you don't like slow burns. Very, very slow. And yes. Not that it was bad, but, you know, that's, yeah. just, that's just me. Yeah, I think I, would, I think I would slide Belfast into this spot here for me. Um, kind of the opposite problems, I guess, than drive my car. This movie was not a slow burn, but I just I didn't emotionally resonate with me, and it felt you know I couldn't get the I couldn't get the Roma comparison out of my head, and I couldn't get the Oscar bait stuff out of my head. So, I think for me Belfast would be in ninth place. All right, number eight. Belfast. Okay. Uh, I enjoyed it. I gave it the same rating as Drive My Drive My Car, um, but I hadn't seen Roma, and you said it's very very just really shot for shot some similar stuff, <laughs> yeah. and I've never seen that, so I didn't have that comparison. Right. Um, but I, I thought it was well done. I thought that. That kid actor, especially uh, playing Tommy, just did a very good job. So that's eight for me. Okay, um, eight for me would be King Richard. Um, I think for the reasons that I said, I think it's a decent movie. I think it's got a good, a great Will Smith performance, but it feels like a, a normal sports drama. And I again would have liked the focus to be uh, on the Williams sisters themselves and not on their father. So yeah, that that would be my eight. Okay, number seven for you. Uh, I have Nightmare Alley. Okay. Um. It's hard. I feel like I have to defend these movies. We already said that we. It's not we don't like them. I like. I enjoyed all these, but don't look up. Uh, really. Um, mm-hmm. But, yep. That just slid into spot number seven for me. I think I would also put Nightmare Alley at seven. Uh, personally, I yeah. I think for all the reasons that you said, I want to revisit that movie. But I think that that there's some stronger films this year. So, mm-hmm. all right, number six. Um. So these next four movies are actually all rated the same for me. So okay. it's very close for me. But okay. six for me is Coda. Okay. Yeah, um, really. I I actually these these four yesterday where they were in different spots. Like I've been kind of like moving them. Like ah, which one yeah. goes here? Which one goes here? So Coda for me is six. Um, I loved it, but it, it goes six for me. I think I would place. Um, personally, I would just place Drive My Car here. 
Um, I think, yeah, I had kind of the slow burn. I think that this movie would probably be higher up on my list if I saw it in theaters, quite honestly. Mm. I think yeah. that there was too much of a distraction for me, and I was really trying to sit down and focus, and I think I had trouble. But, again, I think it's a super emotionally resonant movie and very strong throughout. But it does take a little while. So if that's not your cup of tea and it's not necessarily mine, I would have Drive My Car at, at six here. Uh, five for me is King Richard. Um, okay. I just loved what Will Smith did, and I thought uh, those two daughters really did an incredible job, especially um, the one who acted in uh, Venus Venus's role. Mm-hmm. Um, even the wife of Will of of the family did a good mm-hmm. job. Orson, um, yeah. Well shot, and uh, I think yeah, I think Will does deserve uh, an Oscar finally for this. So that's number five for me. Um, five here, I'm gonna put West Side Story. Um, I think yeah, Spielberg did a great job, but uh, I just. It's musical still, so <laughs> the fact that it's five is is very impressive, and David can vouch for that as a yeah. person who, anytime someone's like, you want to watch this musical? I, like, run out of the room. I sprint. <laughs> I do not like them, but I think he did a phenomenal job with yeah. this film, so that would be my number five. Your number four. West Side Story. Um, okay. Beautifully done. I love musicals, and uh, prior to this, La La Land was my favorite musical, um, and I think this has a very good chance of taking that. Mm-hmm. Um we already, we just talked about it. Very, very well done, and uh, uh, so that's number four for me. My four would be Coda. I think Coda hit me way more than I expected. It may go down on, on subsequent viewings. It may not be a strong rewatch, but for me, just the emotional kind of turn that this movie has in the latter half really just got me, and I just thought it was wonderful. Mm-hmm. So I, w- I will be putting Coda at four. Top three. What do you got in your third slot bronze? Number three, give it a four out of five, Power of the Dog. I thought it was very well shot. Um, I want to watch this again. It's been a little bit since we've seen it, um, mm-hmm. and especially now that it's in the front runner. Um, I thought just all the performances were very strong. I'm not sure there was a weak performance, um, and I just I did I did I, I enjoyed it. Um, so that's number three for me. Okay, so fun fact: I actually misspoke. I meant to put Power of the Dog for. <sighs> I can't believe I did that. Okay, so What'd Power of the Dog. Four? You I put four. Coda. Okay. I put Coda at four. I'm going to put Coda at three. Power of the Dog is four for me. Sorry, everybody. Apologize. Um, if you wrote that in <laughs> Sharpie, um, bill me for the Sharpie. Um, Power of the Dog uh, is four for me for the reasons that you you have just said. I think there's strong performances. Um, I would like to watch this film again as well, um, but I just found Coda more rewarding. Um, and since Coda's kind of in second right now, that's the movie I'm going to be pulling for because I think it's the most realistic shot mm. to overtake Power of the Dog for Best Picture, and I'd be happy if it won. So I'm going to put Coda uh, at three, Power of the Dog at four. Okay, so... Top two. Uh, two for me is Licorice Pizza. Um, just weird and just kind of a freaking awesome movie. Really unique, uh, weird stuff. And I, I enjoyed it. I love that they, the, the, two, the two main actors were, were nobodies, right? Yeah. I, I, I really liked that. And uh, their first movies in star positions, and I thought they did a good job. And so that's number two for me. Four and a half out of five, I gave this one. Mm-hmm. I, I'm going to put, um, so we're, we have our one and two flipped for each other. I'm going to put Dune here at two. Uh, Dune was one of the the best, I think the second best movie going experience that I had just in terms of like spectacle this year. Um, I think there's only one movie it's behind and that's Spider-Man No Way Home and it wasn't ever really going to beat that. Mm-hmm. But I think Dune was just a, a magnificent film wall to wall for sound and and visuals and just direction so dune is two for me and dune is is one for me all those things uh, mirror that i just thought it was beautiful um one probably one of those movies like oh i've watched it you know three times in a week and a half 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Like, um, that's not – I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. It, Good movie. Yeah. Not um, much left to be said. So, so uh, yeah, Licorice Pizza will be my number one. Um, it's a five-star rating for me, my favorite PTA, although that may drop because There Will Be Blood is a magnificent movie. Um, and I will, may put that up there. Bookie Nights is also great. PTA just makes really good movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. so it's very difficult. But Licorice Pizza, I think it's the perfect kind of movie for me. It's a coming of age movie. It's got a super strong performance. Um, I also just really enjoy Alana Haim. And I think that she has a just, I, quite honestly, it has a bright future if she wants it. She's actually in a band with her sisters who are also in this movie. That's mm-hmm. what she's kind of famous for. PTA has directed some of their music videos, which I think is how he discovered That's cool. her. And then I decided to add her to this film. I think that if she wants to, she has a future in acting. Um, she is just awe-inspiring in this film. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, I will have Licorice Pizza at one. So just just to recap our list, you want to you wanna go over your, your 10 to 1 here to remind everybody what you had yep uh so starting at 10 i have don't look up drive my car belfast nightmare alley coda king richard west side story three power of the dog two licorice pizza one dune and and for me 10 i had don't look up nine i had belfast uh eight i had king richard seven i had nightmare alley six why am i not remember i should have written this down i really should have written this down Six, I have Drive My Car. Five, I have West Side Story. Four, I have Power of the Dog. Three, I have Coda. Two is Dune. And one is Licorice Pizza for me. So uh, before we go, I want to ask, I think we've already talked a lot about what we think is going to win. I think that Power of the Dog has the strongest chance. It's the front runner right now. Coda is kind of sneaky. I would really think Dune would be the best for the Oscars if it won because it's kind of a like blockbuster movie that was saying more. It's the movies that used to win. You know, it's kind of like Titanic one. Mm -hmm. That was just a blockbuster movie, but it was a movie that everybody agreed was fantastic. I don't think it's going to, though. Um, I hope Don't Look Up doesn't win, quite honestly. Uh, But what would you substitute what what movies do you think should be added to the field and what would you probably take out? Um I think so the two the two movies just looking actually at your twenty twenty one range, because that's a list of where all the movies, you know, possible. Mm-hmm. I think two movies that should have been that should have made it is one Spider Man No Way Home. Yeah. And I think Spencer. Yeah. Should have been a dark horse to be nominated for um for Best picture. It's a uh, biopic of uh, um, it's Princess, Princess Diana. Di- yeah, spending Christmas uh, with the royal family. Uh, kind of when all the tabloid stuff is coming out, and when the divorce feels imminent because mm-hmm. it's public that they have been cheating uh, on each Kristen other. Kristen Stewart did a phenomenal job. And she, yeah, she's very impressive. She is probably a front runner. Um, I think to to win that award, I I, I have no does. idea. The best actress race is absolutely nutty at this moment so there is no telling yeah. what could possibly happen but um, i would probably i would take out don't look up yeah um and i think i'd probably i'd probably take out belfast even mm-hmm. though i have don't look drive my car below it i think this simply the fact of that drive my car kind of being that foreign film but also just being a really high quality one mm-hmm. whereas belfast has kind of been people are kind of calling it almost a remake you mm-hmm. know um, I think maybe Belfast and Don't Look Up I'd take out and put in No Way Home and Spencer. For some reason, because uh, it's a Marvel movie, I think there's this, like, 
consensus that it can't be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, I think we got a Black Panther moment, and it was nice when that got nominated, and there was not really a chance it was going to win that year, but it was really cool for everybody, and there was a lot of, like, kind of Oscar buzz around it. But I think that the Oscars don't really care about capturing the mainstream audience. They, you know, even though their viewership has gone down, this used, the Oscars used to be, like, you know, after the Super Bowl and a couple of NFL playoff games, the Oscars were then the most watched thing on cable television. Mm. And that's not that's just not true anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is diminished, I think, in public consciousness. And that sucks, especially when I'm coming at a time when I'm most falling in love with movies to yeah. have this thing yep. kind of fade away is not fun. But they, you're like excited and talking they, about it. And everyone <laughs> else is like, yeah, their what? revenues are up, though. Like the Academy's revenues are doing fine. They just built a museum that they're making a lot of money off of. So I so they don't, don't care. I don't think they feel the need to cater. So I, I think that, yeah, if you want the larger audience, nominate Spider-Man No Way Home. I think it's one of the best films of the last year. Um, and just in what it was able to accomplish with all the threads that it had to connect and how it did it pretty seamlessly was impressive to me. I, I would echo your sentiment in putting that in there. Uh, for me, uh, just a glaring, absolutely glaring overlook was the worst person in the world. Um, uh, Joaquin Trier's, uh film, um, which is about a young woman um, in Oslo um, and just her life and her trying to navigate her love life, but also trying to figure out what she wants to do. And I, it's a movie that really resonated with me as a person that's about to graduate college. Um, but I, there's some shots in that. There's a two-minute segment that I would encourage you all to look up on YouTube. It's a freeze frame um, where... Um, the main character Julie turns on a light switch in her apartment and stops time and like runs throughout the city of Oslo and goes to meet someone. And like everybody stands still cars are like not moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, her current boyfriend is pouring coffee and you like the coffee's not moving. It's like one of the most impressive shots I think of the last year mm-hmm. and something that more people need to see. This is not a movie that's widely available. Um, yeah, I have not seen it's it. It's very I, difficult to find. Yeah. Um, you can now you can now rent and buy it some places, but for a while it was it was not that was not an option. It's now available on Amazon, but it was it was a movie that was just kind of hidden for a while. Got a different release and did not get a wide one. But for me, that that is my second favorite movie of this past year, and is a movie that I think should have been nominated um, for best picture. So that's mm-hmm. what I would sub. Well, uh, thank you for watching this week. Uh, this has been the Oscars Best Picture Review. Uh, next week, um, we're actually not 100% sure what we're going to be talking about. Probably a little Oscars recap, maybe yeah. a little March Madness. Maybe we'll come up with a new topic over the week to talk about. Hey, actually, we'll tweet about it. So <laughs> don't forget to follow us uh, on our Twitter page, underscore WDYWTW underscore. Find out what we're going to be watching, talking about, actually. Uh, DM us if you have any questions, show ideas, or again, you just want to yell at us. Uh, thanks for listening. Thank you.